myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is freelance writer and improv comic Danny Gallagher. Danny has written for numerous publications like Cracked, CNET, and is a regular contributor to the Dallas Observer. Danny also performs improv and sketches as part of the Four Chairs comedy troupe. He also runs the live match game on the Free Play Arcade Discord every Monday evening. Danny also has a fear of haunted houses and scary rides. What a perfect fear for the week of Halloween and our 10th episode. So without further ado, here is Danny Gallagher. We are here with writer and comedian Danny Gallagher. Danny has written for publications like Maxim, Dallas Observer, and various other ones as well that I probably have failed to, to mention. You can fill me in on any one of them. Cracked. Cracked. I'm not embarrassed that you led with Maxim, but it kind of is. No, I'm just kidding. It's because it just seems like a relic. Um, no, Cracked, CNET, whatever pays. Jackbox Games, bunch of places. <laughs> so what are your favorite articles to write? So as a writer, what do you really gravitate towards, like as far as a story? I like stuff where I have to go out and like, I hate to use the term gonzo because it's not as crazy. <laughs> but I do like where I go out and have like an adventure, like a, you know, like a Horatio Alger story. Although it's, it's, it ends with more embarrassment for me. So like the Flat Earth Society thing was fun where I attended the Flat Earth Convention when it was in Frisco. And uh, that was, that was, it was more, it wasn't as crazy as I thought it would be. It was more me just saying this is crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's very dull and dry, you know. I mean, interesting yeah, uh, stuff. But a lot of it was like, you know, lectures that make no sense. Did you uh, bring a globe? No, I wanted to. I did the next best thing. So I wrote an initial article when I heard they were coming to town, how to talk to a flat earther. And I laid out all the basic stuff, Horizon, whatever, the, the, the guy that made the sundial, proven that the earth rotates, or that the earth is is round because we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have sundials, basically. Mm -hmm. Like all this like basic science stuff. And then I was just avalanched by every flat earth believer I was on every main, like, famous Flat Earth podcast. The guy that, that was the basis of the Beyond the Curve documentary literally read it word for word. Wow. And had a, yeah, and had a guest that was, like, snidely co commenting about it. And then I, this made me laugh out loud at the very end. The, the very next thing after he reads the last line, the, the, the woman that's with her says, I looked at his picture. I can't tell if he's a boy or a girl. And I <laughs> just laughed so hard because I was like, well, you got me. <laughs> I can't I can't argue with that. Well, the name's Danny Gallagher. I mean. Yeah. No, I know. Well, there's Danny's yeah. spelled with an I. That's I true. Danielle's. But yeah, I love stuff where I have to go out and do things. Just new experiences. Yeah. New, and, you know, being a good old fashioned leather shoe reporter. 
mm-hmm. journalist kind of a thing. Kind of getting back to the heart of the whole journalism thing where you yeah. foot on the ground, yeah. gathering information, not just looking it up online. Right. They're like actually going and doing stuff. Or, or those are the most fun for me. See, that would be so fun. You're just paid to crash parties, basically, and then write about it. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Although I've only done one recently where I had to be sneaky. Actually, mm-hmm. most recently. It'll come out tomorrow or the next day where I had to like, be Fletch and pretend to be another person. <laughs> I had- <laughs> and I even picked the Fletch character name that was like something he would pick. Gosh. Like a celebrity name. Such a great movie. Yeah. Very underrated movie, Fletch. Oh, yeah. So what made you get into reporting? I was I I was just always a writer. That's always what I did. Mm-hmm. I loved writing creative stories, but you know, everyone was like, "Don't get an English degree," <laughs> which I mean is actually smarter than it sounds. And I liked I don't know journalism. Just like oh, I can write for a living, and then it's just a different kind of writing. And I was a big fan of Dave Barry. Mm-hmm. Growing up, Dave Barry and Robert Benchley and Louis Grizzard. I read Mark Twain. And it was just like guys, you know, talking about their opinions in a very humorous way. And mm-hmm. and so I thought, oh, I'll find a career in comedy and in journalism because it seemed like the safest job. But it, and it was also something that was turns out I liked. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important part is as long as you enjoy doing it. Right. Pay is just a bonus to be able to do that because I love comedy and I'm always afraid to take it to full time comedy just because. I'm 43 (laughs) with no college degree at all. So I am a fan of every college team because I've been to none. (laughs) And (laughs) no, I get that. And so I'm always like afraid because like if I do take that leap and it doesn't work out, then I am absolutely back at square one. Right, right. As a 43 year old. And it just scares me with all the work experience that I've amassed at my day job doing technical work Mm. to actually take that leap. No, and I was forced to. Or I say forced to, I got laid off from a newspaper job five years ago and then was freelancing on the side. And I was like, I just like working for myself. So I just kept doing it. And there's times where it was like, oh, maybe I need to get a real job. Mm-hmm. I've taken money from my parents. I'm not ashamed to say sometimes because it's part of, you know, it's part of building your own brand and being a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I have, I too have taken money from my parents a lot. At a lot at an age that they probably didn't think they would expect to see that coming. Because <laughs> in my early 30s, man, I thought I was done. I literally ha- was working. Oh, yeah, me too. I was job to job, living at back of my mom. All my credit ruined because everything, mm. I, I lost everything for the most part financially as well as Jeez. a DWI. And so I had to move back home and I'm like, this is my life now. I'm just going to be yeah. the 33-year-old. <laughs> living at home with mom you know mom's proud of me and thinks i'm the greatest because i'm the only child but maybe someday again i can get out on my own again but it doesn't look good yeah i know everybody has to have a i gotta move home moment at least once in their life i think i feel like that should be like you have to work in the service industry at some point yeah and you have to move yeah. back home with your parents yeah those yeah. are the two things you have to do in life <laughs> Because if you want your parents to never say, I love you, move back home. (laughs) They love you and miss you when you're living by yourself for the first time. When you move back home in their 30s, they're like, so, how's it going? Found any jobs yet? Mine are the opposite. They want to see me a lot, which I'm, I get, we love each other, Mm -hmm. we get along, but it's, mom, it's COVID. 
and not that they're ignoring it, but it's just that nobody, nobody's used to it. Yeah. Nobody wants to be used to it. I certainly Yeah. Don't. And you, you don't want to risk it at the same time. And right. It is one of those things too. Like I feel like the younger generation with this is a lot, is trying to be a lot safer. Well, not the super young, but the middle people like my age, thirties and forties sure. are trying to be more careful. The sixties and seventies don't believe it exists. And the twenties think that they can, <laughs> they'll get over it. Right. When you, well, cause when you're 20, you think you're never going to die. Yeah. It, <laughs> and then something happens, <laughs> which is a whole other episode. I thought that every Saturday night, and then I thought I was going to die every Sunday morning. I was so hungover. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to die. Yeah. So I'm doing a podcast about fears and right. it's basically how do you, your earliest memories, how you handle them, things of that nature. And your fear is a little unique because I feel like <laughs> your fear is basically going on what the idea of the fear is. Right. So what is your fear, Danny? My, I would say it's my biggest fear, but it's just one I haven't, ta- I've been able to tackle is haunted houses. And when I say haunted houses, I don't mean actual, well, one, there aren't real haunted houses. Sorry. I didn't mean to get all pendulette on you, but because I've been in homes where like spirits are supposedly mm-hmm. There and I've heard noises, and then it was like, and then you leave and you're scared for a second. You're like, oh, that was freaky. And then you walk out and you're like, wait, that was just a board creaking. If I was a ghost, wouldn't I do more to let people know <laughs> I was there? I'm an attention whore. Like I would <laughs> bring hellfire, you know, to let people know I was yeah. there. But anyway, it's the fake haunt. It's the one where you know you're going to go in and be scared. I, so it, it's just the weirdest. And I don't, I'm not alone. I know some people that don't like it, mm-hmm. that don't like being scared at all. Yeah. And I'm, but I love horror movies mm-hmm. and it's more because I'm big in story and not necessarily like the jump scare. Mm-hmm. Those bore me more because it's just, you're one and done mm-hmm. and then you don't care about anything that goes on in the movie. You want to be romanced by your fear. Yes. I want to be twilighted by my, <laughs> by my horror movies. Lead, lead me into this, this long emotional, is it, is it not? Is it, do you love me? Right. Do you love me not? Oh, and then just wrap it up perfectly at the end. Right. And it's a hero complex, too, because I went over all the movies that I love. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, I do like some slasher movies. I have all the Friday the 13th mm-hmm. and all the Halloweens. And, but I realize like, they all have a hero. They all have someone you can root for. So like The Thing is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's about the monster, but you root for Kurt Russell to, to kill The Thing. And Evil Dead, I mean, is just... That, that's the only one where it's a hero that's, that's the staple of the franchise, mm-hmm. not not some killer or monster. So maybe that has more to do with it. I feel like that's the only movie we root for Kurt Russell in is the thing. <laughs> Definitely don't root for him in Tango and Cash. Yes. We- I was going to say Tango and Cash. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is the Kurt Russell go-to movie reference joke for every <laughs> for every comedian. I'll take that back. Is Tango and Cash. i take that back. I rooted for <laughs> Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that's a, he's the same character as he is in Tango and Cash. Like he, for five years, mm-hmm. he played the same mullet wearing tank top. <laughs> <laughs> I rooted for him in uh, the computer wore tennis shoes, which is an old Disney movie. <laughs> you want to get obscure? Yeah, I forget him and Jodie Foster were like the Disney darlings. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting movie nerd on you. So you're afraid of the carnival like car- haunted houses, not the, yes. not the legend you need to burn sage. No, and I'm not saying like I'd be brave if someone was like, oh, go spend a night in the Amityville house. I'd probably check it out, even though I don't believe it. Because mm-hmm. your mind creates, that, that's the thing is, it's like I'm fighting with my, I fight with my mind all the time. And all my leisure activities are about getting away from it. Yeah. 
why would I, why would I, why would I want to go do something that puts my brain on even more alert <laughs> to like watch around that corner? I don't like to be alone in my thoughts at home. Why do I want to go somewhere else yeah. and have more right. thoughts besides the one I'm trying to get away from? Which I guess is was different from a horror movie because the movies it, the movie's not about escape. It's about it's a similar experience about something acting on you, so you have a feeling. But it's more not nuanced. It's more varied. Yeah. It can be sad. It can be scary. It can be funny. It can be depressing. Whereas a haunted house is just you're scared all the time. And I I take that back. I'm sure there are some moments. There is that moment where you're scared and then you laugh about it. Like I get that. Mm-hmm. But I w- I want to watch a horror movie. I don't want to be in one. <laughs> I don't see the. I haven't learned the compulsion to want to be a to be the. I hate to say the victim. Yeah. But to be the target of the scare. I don't get. Yeah, it feels like because I have an ex-girlfriend that actually worked at a haunted house. Yeah. She worked mm-hmm. at a hangman's in Fort Worth for the longest time. Oh, okay. And it's like they borderline bully you into being afraid. Like they, they, get, they yeah. get right up in your face. It's like you're making me uncomfortable and at the same time <laughs> being very loud and unpleasant. Right. And I don't like the sudden scares. I don't like the distance like to get super close. Right. That's that makes me uncomfortable. I guess it's that too. Cuz in person in person when someone's super close, I'm like and not just cuz of covid, but just before that. My personal space was very special. It still is. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, when I worked there, I was kind of had fun, but at the same time, I'm like this is really uncomfortable for the people because like I said some people you don't know what that person's going to do to you as even in the mask you don't know if that person's just going to scream or you know punch you or retaliate and I had like I did one when I was in the pig family I guess I was in the front entryway and I'm small and slight so I could kind of lean Mm -hmm. and kind of stay out of sight whereas other people were more in the kitchen area and so I would scare them into more disaster Mm-hmm. But it wore on your voice. Like, I still think my yeah. voice is still cracked from all the screaming and <laughs> pig sounds that I would make. Yeah, no, it's a hard job. I couldn't And do it's it. so hot. It's so miserable because you're in secondhand clothing that mm-hmm. people make a mask. And you're in a room that's not built for air conditioning <laughs> or any kind of air circulation. So it's just... And do those get paid? Do they all get paid? To, I don't um... think we got paid at Hangman's. I think it was more you... You okay. contributed, I think some people got paid, but most of it was volunteer, which they loved. Because okay. I see why it's fun. With, no, I see why it's fun, like why people would do it for free. Yeah. But as a performer, and, and not even like the performer should be paid, just I don't see physically how I could. Mm-hmm. The only time I had to wear a costume for this really small play I did with my with my folding chairs troupe, where I had to play Tony the Tiger and Tri- and the Tricks Rabbit. It was, a ser- uh, it was Saturday morning, this was the name of the play. And Tony the Tiger was just like, I just wore the face prosthetic and a wig and a suit. But the Trix Rabbit was a full rabbit suit. And I had to wear it for three hours with a prosthetic face. So like the only part of my body that was getting air was like my eye area. And it didn't have that many lines. Mm -hmm. That's what kind of, I mean, it was fun to do when I had lines and when I could play the character. But it was, it just, the sweat just poured out of it. Yeah. Just, (laughs) I don't know if anybody else wore it after that because... Silly rabbit. <laughs> so what is your earliest memory of being freaked out at a haunted house? So I come from a Disney family mm-hmm. and and but we we were Halloween, but we didn't do like we didn't go to haunted houses or watch horror movies. Well, we watched the local horror host guy back in New Orleans, Morgus the Magnificent. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we mainly watched for him and not the movies because the movies were like B grade, like the stuff and like public domain stuff. Anyway, so when I was uh, turning eight, we went to Disney World for Christmas and we drove and I knew nothing about it. And but I was super excited. I'm a Disney kid. And then but then they start telling me about the Haunted Mansion. And that's when I started freaking out. This is before I knew what panic attacks were. Or any or anybody knew what panic attack. Like we didn't know till I was like in my thirties. And I just remember them describing because they'd been when I was a baby, and they were you know talking up the ride. So so they were like talking up the haunted mansion. And I love my parents. When you're a parent, it's exhausting. So when you get to like mess with your kid a little bit, it's I get why that's fun. I don't mean that in a torturous <laughs> way. I just mean like I get it. I I do it to people sometimes. It's like you know it's like two friends yeah. like jabbing each other. And so they start describing the haunted mansion to me and they told me the part about how a ghost drives home with you. And I swear to God, I remember, I don't remember if I saw it or if I imagined, I probably imagined it and saw it. As soon as I said that, I just imagined this rotting skeleton looking back at me at the rear, in the rear view mirror. <laughs> like, like I, I took it literally like a ghost literally follows us back to New Orleans from Orlando. And so I was just dreading going on that thing. And it was one of those like inevitability mm-hmm. things like we were going to go on it because they loved it. And I didn't, it, but, but it's, a, but the word haunted is in it. So already I'm, I'm crying yeah. la- very loudly, embarrassingly loud. Don't take me in. How, and how old were you at this point? Eight. Okay. That's still acceptable. Um, right. But the fun part was I came out of it and absolutely loved it. And now I'm obsessed with it. I actually have prints of the posters around my house and little bobblehead and people buy me bobbleheads and things and every time we we, i've gone back twice and of course we'll write it like 30 times because that ride is actually very story driven if you know what to look for and it's nostalgia too at that point it's nostalgia yeah yeah and if i was a ghost i would Um, totally leave orlando florida to come back to new orleans louisiana (laughs) if i had the druthers i feel like you would be way ghosts wouldn't even haunt houses in new orleans you would just go out in the french quarter at this point Right, which is where all the ghosts are, allegedly. When I went to, through the haunted house, and I was like, oh, this is awful. Because I was like you. I grew up in suburban America. There wasn't yeah. much. Like, the <laughs> scariest thing I did was, like, haunted hayrides, which was just basically, you get to you get to be without your kid for 10 minutes to enjoy some <laughs> silence while your kid just sits on a track right, and wonders what right. the hell is going on. It's going to be scary at any point now. The only part that's scary is you don't see your parents for, like, five minutes. There's no, there's no yeah. sighting of them. And then you're done. There was another one. I don't remember if it was, it had to be after that. It was probably the next year. Because actually New Orleans is a big haunted house town Mm -hmm. at Halloween. You know, and they would do one at the zoo, you know, and it was more oriented towards kids, but it had a haunted train ride. And I did not. And it was the same thing as Disney World. I was like, I don't want to go on it. Because it goes in the back. Because the zoo, the, the zoo has a train that goes around. Yeah. I've been there. Oh, you've been to the Ottoman Zoo. It's, it, it goes it goes to a part that you don't walk through that you can only take the train through. And it's like right behind the tiger mm-hmm. cage or the lion cage or something. And people just hang out there and just jump out at you in, in masks. Although it's so dark, you can't see what it is. So you just hear them scream. And so I don't want to go on it. And I remember there was a kid younger than me behind me who was ripping my ass a new one. <laughs> and he must have been like five or six. Who was, I mean, he was mocking me like, oh, I'm scared. Like, and I had no idea who this kid was. And his mom was saying, oh, yeah, he never gets scared. He likes Sesame Street. There's monsters on, you know, he, that's what he associates it with. And again, I went on it. And once you get past the really scary part, then it's just like kid goofy. So it's just the buildup and the, and the what if. Yeah. 
by the time I got off it, I was like, let's go do the haunted house. Cause I was like, it can't be not that it can't be worse than that, but it's like, okay, I get what they're, yeah. when you get what they're going for, that they're not going for like the guy with the chainsaw. Although I think there was a guillotine involved on monkey Hill, but it was all like, it was all like setting it up to watch scenes to to watch like creepy scenes in the beginning. There was jump scares, but that was the thing. Like I'd always get off and, have fun and i would and i thought like as i got older like i could build up to that and i haven't you haven't gotten to that level yet because i've tried and i just can't i feel like we got worse i feel like as i got older like it's even worse now right now you have this the image of i'm a i'm an adult and yeah i'm about to squeal like a child in front of people half my age (laughs) i don't know if i can handle the social aspect of it i can't handle right i can't handle the judgment yeah, you're right. That is harder because when you're a kid, it's expected because yeah. it's usually it's geared towards scaring yeah. kids so the adults can have a, a fun memory of their kids being scarred for yeah. life. I don't know how that works. Speaking of that, that's yeah. how, how did you handle meeting Santa in the Easter Bunny in the mall? Did you wig out on that, too? I don't remember ever wigging out. I remember Santa was OK, but Easter Bunny always made me mm-hmm. super uncomfortable because it was all yeah. Because they never said anything and it was just a cup full of costume and then they just wave at you. And they don't talk. Yeah. That's the weird. Like Santa talked. You like you tell Santa like that. I was never scared of Santa because I was like, I know what I'm I want this mm-hmm. and I want to get this. And I've been good. To, you know, I love talking to people when I was a kid. But yeah, the Easter Bunny was I didn't get I was like, OK, well, I know what you're going to give me. Like, why are we? <laughs> I literally thought this as a kid was, I know, I know you're going to bring chocolate. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> you know, there's a chocolate version of you, right? That, that they just put it. Right. <laughs> like we just basically eat you. If I had the gumption, I'd just say, you know, I'd hit the Easter button and say, what do you want? Candy. All right, I'm done. Like what else? Yeah. You- <laughs> I want that cheap plastic fake grass that they put in every Easter basket. Yes. That you'd accidentally eat. If you try to eat like a bunch of jelly beans. That weren't in a bag. You need yeah. some of the grass. I know this for a fact because it's still in my memory when I was a little kid. I've got all my childhood pictures. My mom gave me all that when she retired. Oh, So cool. I have, I'm the biggest fan of me right now. <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> I have all this stuff. I feel uncomfortable having my memories that I didn't want. But I right. don't have a picture that I know was in my mom's closet when I was a little kid. So when I was a little kid, I would mess around and go through mom's stuff. And she had a picture of me as a toddler with the Easter bunny. And I'm mortified. Like, it is <laughs> it is full-on panic in my face. And she's right. got it from separate from the rest because this is, she thought it was so funny. She kept it. And so it's like <laughs> just keeping somewhere where she's having an emotional breakdown and she doesn't want me to see it. She'll go in her closet, pull a picture <laughs> of me out being terrified by a rabbit, and we're okay to live life again. I know what I'm living for. And it's to terrify my son <laughs> every chance I get. You remember that moment? I don't. Where the picture was I don't taken. remember that moment, okay. but I remember seeing that picture of my mom saying that, yeah, that's one of my favorites of you. <laughs> and it was just a picture of me being terrified of a rabbit. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was my first or second Easter. And that could have been it. It was like a super early too. Right. But yes, it is a picture of me being traumatized without, subconsciously without <laughs> even knowing it. It's setting the precedent for how I was going to deal with every Easter bunny. Like, it still makes me feel weird. It's like, why are we taking a picture with the Easter bunny? Yeah, I didn't. I always questioned that. What's the significance? Not even in a religious thing. Just like, like I mean, when I stopped believing in yeah. the Easter bunny, I, sh- I didn't get it. You suck at hiding eggs. If I'd have known, <laughs> I would have just trash talked him. Like, dude, what's with this weak ass hiding spot behind the sofa? If you're, you're going to hide eggs, man, go hard. You can't 
can't half-ass this. There was I, there was a, a way to do it I wish I'd known about when I was a kid because I would totally do it. There's, I forget what season of Bob's Burgers it is, but apparently the Belcher family tradition is they hide eggs, actual eggs, all over the house. And they like have like an accurate count of like, like say it's like 75. And whoever finds the very last egg gets all the candy. But it could be like, it could take days because mm-hmm. then, you know, the smell would start. And I was <laughs> like, I, I wanted my childhood holiday experiences to have more stakes, I guess, because <laughs> I'm, I'm competitive. It just sounded like, oh, that's a fun, that's a more fun idea than, yeah, go find them in the yard. You know, I feel like your parents just got tired of hiding at some point. Yeah. Yeah. They ran out of ways to make it creative. I remember trying to dye with that writ dye that didn't color any eggs whatsoever. You just oh, got the off-white uh, egg now instead of the red. You would try to do the tablets in the boiling water. Yeah, what's the pause? Yeah, P-A-A-S. Yeah, that's it, pause. Oh, that was like writ. I, that's the one that stuck around. And you had the stupid little bendy thing, so you'd scald your hand in boiling water as you try to pull this egg up. Easter was so much more traumatizing than people give it credit for. Right. So do you still go to haunted houses now? No, I'm I'm trying. And in fact, my most recent one is now turned into my second most pathetic date story. So this was a couple of years ago. I met somebody and I won't say it was like, oh, I'd be very lucky if I got to you know, get to know this person. Like it was, and I'm very hesitant about dating. So I really wanted to like impress this girl and I wanted to be her boyfriend, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. And, and we go out one night and, and even though it was with her best friend, it was like really a great time. Like it was a lot of fun and it was just talking. It wasn't doing anything fancy. It was just, we go to a bar and just had a couple of drinks and all of us talked and got along. And during the conversation, she mentions that she, has a VIP pass to Dark Hour mm-hmm. uh, in Plano. Now, Dark Hour, for those who don't know, is like the mecca of haunted houses because I've done stories about it, and they do they put in like movie grade work into the into the sets and the costumes, and they tell stories, you know, and and still make it very terrifying according to people that have been into it. And so on this date, I wasn't like manning up; I was being honest. I was like, "Yeah, you know, I can't. You know, I'm I'm a big coward." But I want to do it. And she's like, well, come do it. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try it. So the, 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 I don't know if it was the next day or the day after. I am starting to have a panic attack about it. Because I, I was like building myself. You know, I was trying to do the mm-hmm. exercises to like get out of my head. and, and uh, All the things you shouldn't do before you go to one house. Right. Which was, just, you know, it should just be be in the moment. But I'm like, I don't. I don't know how I'm going to react. Yeah. I just know I want to do it. I just know I want to fight and do it, which is the wrong way to do it. And this was before I got on the right medication, by the way. So this is becoming a cocktail of, of disaster. So I'm on my way there and I'm, I, I'm like, I got to calm down. <laughs> I, I, I react the same way as a father that's going to their son's murder trial. Like I'm, I'm, and this, is for, this is supposed to be for something that's entertaining. Like I'm having a full on, freak out of like, I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to embarrass myself? Am I going to cry in front of this girl? If I chicken out, is she going to think less of me? So, so I'm like, I got to stop and do something to, and I've taken clozonopan. I'm on, I do have panic attacks mm-hmm. and I taken a clozonopan and I don't know why I thought this was a good idea, but I pulled into a specs and bought two little bottles of Jameson and I didn't drink and drive. I, I waited till like, till I got there and cause I got there super early. 
I don't know what meditate or do so, just something to get out of my head. But like you said, you, if you do too much, you, you're setting yourself up to fall. So I'm doing that, and I'm I have alcohol in my system. And at this point, I guess just the alcohol just wiped out whatever the clozanapan <laughs> uses because I'd forgotten I'd taken yeah. it. I, now that I'm thinking back, because I would never do something that reckless, but I'd forgotten I'd taken it five minutes before I took the the drink. So I'm in full blown from panic to anxiety attack, having the chest pains, having the everything. And I'm, and I'm waiting outside. I'm waiting for her to come get me so I can go into the little VIP area. And I'm still, I don't remember everything that happened because I literally lost consciousness at one point and fell in the street and like passed out for a minute. And I remember just waking up and seeing a car coming, like not right out, like right in front of my face, but like driving, like you could see I was in the street and I'm picked up. And I'm immediately greeted by a guy in some kind of Egyptian <laughs> costume. I don't know. I don't know what the theme was that year. I think it was like, like Pharaoh's curse or something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he told anybody, but I was like, okay, that's, that's not a normal reaction. I don't think I should. I don't know what to do at this point. Cause I've never had that strong. That's like the worst fear reaction I've ever mm-hmm. had. Like I've almost been hit by a car and I wasn't as afraid or, or it didn't have as that big of a reaction mm-hmm. to it. But you've built this up now for like two days. And so, yeah. And and it's for a yeah. woman. Like, that's the worst. You know, <laughs> I'm setting myself up to fail in every possible yeah. way. There's no good part of this. <laughs> right. Because it's like, there's a girl. So, one, she's going to think I'm a coward. At the end all is if you were a coward, it probably is not the end of the world. Because she, she would have right. probably screamed with you. But because we all have this feeling of, I need to be, I guess, stronger right. about it. Because that's one thing I learned by being in that haunted house is that people, it's not a pride thing. Some people it is. I remember remember right. they had the old haunted house in Fort Worth that if you got to the top floor of the building, you got like a trip to Cosmo. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. And maybe one or two people got it per year. And mm-hmm. I was like, I just, I've always been very image and self-conscious about me because I've always been bullied. So I feel yeah. like when you're not bullying me is when everything's working well. And so I'm just like anything that could possibly bring on bullying, I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified right. to have that happen. That makes sense. Or when you feel like you have to defend yourself in some way. Not that I'm a yeah. violent person, but you don't know how you're going to react and how you're going to look. Yeah. And I that's all I'm feeling is you're telling me the story is like you're <laughs> you, you know, this girl I really like. I, we we had a great time. Well, why can't we just go back to talking and whiskey? Why can't we go back? <laughs> wind the clock. Too that's a, that's 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 the answer for every. That should be the that should be the alternative for everything <laughs> just, in life. Can we just go back to talking and whiskey? It ended in a very sweet way. I mean, we we didn't we didn't end up dating because she was busy and I was busy. Just the timing wasn't mm-hmm. right. But I had to go in and tell this girl. Yeah, I can't I can't go in. <laughs> can't go in now i have to come up with a whole new set of courage <laughs> to, to to tell this this very very nice very sweet woman yeah yeah i can't go in the the fake death house with you and of course there's some fucking douchebag who as soon as i said that was like oh are you a coward you know mm-hmm. right right in front of her and she honestly was she was not that way she, she totally understood she was like, she was afraid of the dark and like won't sleep with the light off. And she did like kind of try to jump scare me a couple of times because that's because she really liked being scared and scaring people, which is kind of, I, I don't want to say too much to identify her, but that's kind of how we, we first met. 
it was around a horror event mm-hmm. or horror themed event. Maybe it's just a bad mix. You're like, you're, you're afraid of being yeah, so overtly yeah. scared. And that's what she prays about. I was like, well, maybe we're just not a good match. <laughs> I'm going to. Well, it didn't end. It, it didn't end. As far as I know, it didn't end because of that. Because she did. She Her job was an insane amount of work. And she and she was a workaholic. If it's an excuse, it's a really good yeah. one. That's the way I, I put it. And I just always, for me, dating wise, I've always just wanted people to be happy. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I'm starting to look at that moment was like I I can be the nice guy or I can I can have fun and not be in my head when I'm when I'm on a date or or any situation. Yeah. Or just accept that you will be um, and just be like, yeah, I'll be in my head right. a little bit, but it's not at the end of the world. Right. Right. It was like that was one of many moments that like and also that was the moment where I stopped telling myself to cowboy up or man up. Like I like I realized like okay, that does not help. That cripples me more than anything. Which I mean, you know, to the to, to all the ex body spraying wearing meatheads out there that say that, like, there's an insecurity behind that. <laughs> Even to the people who say it to other people, like, there's an insecurity to like, you know, when you're down and somebody says, "Dude, you just got to man up," and they have something that they're they're hiding, yeah, or something they don't feel right about themselves that they're throwing on you, which I learned the hard way, yeah. Um, after that, um. So that was first, and the other lesson I learned, learned was don't take Klazanapan and Jameson, because <laughs> they are they are a cocktail of tears. That's one of like the top three times I've cried the hardest in my life wow. by chemically induced means, and I haven't done anything worse than than marijuana, <laughs> a heavier drug. Well, that too, like <laughs> like I don't know what's going to come out of my yeah, body. It's like how is this helping me? Right, because. I would think at that point, it's like, I don't, this isn't the exact opposite of what I want to feel right now. This is right. a 180 from what I was expecting when I took this pill. I was expecting leveling out. Well, it wasn't right. It, it wasn't the pill. It was more the alcohol because mm-hmm. I believed in the, you know, that alcohol was liquid courage because yeah. I'd done so many dumb things when I drank, but, but it's different. Those are, those are, you know, being scared. Yeah. Or be, or being in that moment, like alcohol makes it worse, yeah. and also maybe your body just changes when you get older and alcohol re- reacts to. But it, but the liquid courage thing was going back to the man up yeah. thing, you know, because I was like picturing, oh, I gotta be John Wayne. Oh, what would John Wayne do? I oh, take a belt of whiskey and you know, and John Wayne's an yeah. asshole. I like the Searchers, but he's you know, he's not the yeah. best. Role he's model. not a great human being. No, no, yeah, that's a better way to say it. So. The scariest haunted house story I've ever seen. It was an article. I don't know how factual it was, but it was a story Mm -hmm. about this reporter who was trying to find the scariest haunted house. And they were like, you have Mm -hmm. to do this haunted house. It's not at a, you go to this, you know, you dial a number and then they tell you where the haunted house is. Like they don't even have a set. Oh, I know the, I think I know the one. It's like McCainy Manor. it's Something not even like a house. So what happens is the reporter calls a number. They tell him to come to this location. So he goes there. He's like, there's nothing out there. Right. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. a car pulls up. They grab him. They throw him in the trunk of a car playing music. They drive him around. He doesn't know where. Then they mm-hmm. get to a location. They pull him out. He's still got a bag over his head, like a bag over, you know, abduct him. Right. They care, you know, they take him and they put him in what he thinks is a box that closed the lid. And then he says, you hear shoveling like on top, like it's a coffin and they're burying him alive. <laughs> oh, God. And then, you know, you sit there, he says, 
it felt like 15 minutes, but I don't know how long it really was because it's just, <laughs> I would, you know, at some point, I would probably just be catatonic like this is just somewhere yeah. in acceptance and panic. He says, then, you know, they, after that, you hear digging again, then you hear a click and then you open the coffin door or the casket or whatever. And he's like, oh, they're already taken off across the field and your car's parked. They just leave yeah. you there? I'm like, I'm like, that would be like extra if they give you a ride home. Like, I was like, sounds like the worst. That's That's not really a haunted house. That's just borderline psycho torture. Yeah, that's just like, how would I react in that kidnapping situation? I mean, which, again, to some people that there's I've 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 read about haunted houses, like extreme haunted houses where they're allowed to, like, touch you and. Basically beat you. It's just a like, mosh pit. They could, they could, yeah. It's just a mosh. Like they could get away with the, so much stuff, and and like I get the idea of like oh, I want to push myself to my limit. I've had enough near death experiences in my life. I'm I've reached my limit. Right. Like or like I get like the adrenaline of it because I like again I like fast rides. Mm-hmm. I like you know gotten to test drive Lamborghinis and and ride roller coasters and. Not not often, but I get like the thrill of like going fast yeah. or like cheating death or whatever however you want to put it. But yeah, but like simulating death doesn't sound yeah. fun. So how did you get <laughs> to, to test drive a Lamborghini? Um, there's uh, I've done it a couple times. There's uh, when I was working for I was working for MTV or or MTV and AOL. They they have these like dream drive mm-hmm. events, but they would go to like Texas Motor Speedway. And basically bring out like a, I think it was a Lamborghini Murcielago. And you pay like 75, hundred bucks and they let you drive it around the Le Mans track. Now you, there's somebody in the car. You have, when, when you're in the turns, you basically have to drive like a grandmother, mm-hmm. which to be fair, it, which, which. I prefer that. Well, I want, I, you know, again, when you, when you pay for something, you're like, oh, I get to like learn how to like do a J turn. Cause I'm a big top gear okay. fan. And I, I know. I'm hoping it'll go out with the Axe body spray that I used in my twenties. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought like, oh, they're gonna let me like rip it up, and and then as soon as I get there, they're like, okay, we need your insurance. <laughs> my insurance, <laughs> my insurance is not gonna cover. <laughs> right, and I'm like, I'll give it to you, but if I wreck this thing, we're we're both <laughs> screwed. Like, you know, they did. There is there is a straightaway where they let you just floor mm-hmm. it. And that, I mean, that feels amazing. Even just like the 0.2 seconds that you yeah. feel of the, just your head hitting the back of it. There is some thrill out, uh, out of it and you get your picture taken with it. And, and I, you know, and I got, and it was for stories. So I got to write about it. And then the others were like test drives for like BMW. Mm-hmm. They would have like junket events. So I have a similar story, but it's more sketchy because mm. I was out of a job. And my, my best friend was doing these, it used to be these old pyramid screams where you would you would sell products, like oh, not grocery yeah. store products, but you would like show them how much more shaving cream your product had versus the... Right. And so he was doing that and we were, we were walking around. So I was possibly thinking about doing it and we were walking through Plano, like uh, at Plano Parkway. And here we are at Porsche Plano. And oh, we're we're in yeah. suits and stuff. We're you know we we look like we're you know <laughs> we're here to sell. And Nick's like, you know what? Let's go, let's go, let's go be dreamers. <laughs> My best friend at the time, Nick's like, mm. let's go be dreamers. Let's let's go go pretend 
you know, to but look at Porsches. And it's like, okay. And yeah. so we go in and we start telling them we're, you know, we're young entrepreneurs and we're, you know, we're interested in buying, you know, considering buying a Porsche once, you know, we get bought, we're already being looked at to be purchased and stuff. And so we're going to come into a large sum of money. And he's like, oh, and so we get a 911. And we're going, we're just nice. ripping down yeah. this back road, doing 80 to 100, just flip in like. They just let you take well, the car that nobody well, went somebody with went you. with us, but he's like, man, floor it. He was oh, like, okay. he was, they were oh, all okay. about. He was, yeah, part of yes. the pitch. Yeah. And so we walked out of there and we were like, we just kind of high-fived and that was our, <laughs> that was our Porsche experience. We'll never get to drive one for days, but one day we got to drive one. Yeah, one, yeah. That's one awesome. 20 minute afternoon. And we were just we just stone faced just sat there and said, Yeah, we're entrepreneurs. And inside I'm like, No, we're not. So yeah, no, did when you got back, you did you was he like, So do you want to buy this? And you're like, No. Well, we sat down with him and crunched or the numbers and said, So what would it you know, like this is the amount we're gonna get. What would we need to put down and which model should we get and stuff? And we had a whole paperwork of our tur- Porsche Turbo. I don't know what happened to it. Because we both left with like a promo pack. Oh, right. Of what we were going to get. And I, I was like, this is kind of a cool memory. And I wanted to keep it, but I, I, could, I yeah. couldn't afford to frame it because I was going to get it framed and be like, so why do you have this Porsche slip? Whoa. <laughs> it is one of the greatest grifts I've ever done in my life. I just managed <laughs> to get a test drive out of a person. And honestly, I don't think you're the first. I, it, it, yeah. I don't. Like, I think he kind of, part of him maybe knew, like, this is part of the, I'm, I don't know the guy, but I feel like that happens so often yeah. that, like, he's just happy to let somebody drive it. I don't know the guy, maybe I'm conjecturing or, or assuming too much. Various times we've we've pulled various pranks, and that was one of my faves. That's awesome. So, Danny, I thank you for doing this. Yeah, it was so, fun. So, let me do some promo work for you. You've got couple of things going on you've got the folding chairs comedy troupe i guess you guys are getting back going mm-hmm. you've also got a maki horror picture show which is a you basically do mystery science theater 3000 with various movies i hear yeah we do so we do um like old cheesy horror movies with we and we give them the mystery science theater treatment but we've come up with a way basically to do them as like Rocky Horror shows. So we put, we give the audience props. Oh, so you get the toast and the- to to use. Well, like, but for like this specific mm-hmm. movie. So the first one we ever did was Plan Nine from Outer Space, which is one of the greatest films ever made. And uh, we give the audience, we put prompts up on the screen as the movie's playing, and time, like, put a countdown timer so they can yell jokes and do things with the props. So like, there's one scene. There's a great. There's that famous scene in Plan Nine when. Tor Johnson gets hit in the head. While he's a zombie, he gets hit in the head with a big stick. And we gave everybody thunder sticks, which are like basically like just blow yep. up sticks. And we we said, okay, when the countdown yells zero, hit the guy in the head in front of you with the thunder stick. And we timed it so that when Tor gets hit in the head, you hit somebody in the head <laughs> with this with this blow up stick. So it's stuff like that. And then we do sketches in between. We try to do it as like close to mystery science theater would because just the formulas still work so well and it's it's an insane amount of work but it's always fun i just love the crowd participation part of it like because i yeah, i've done a couple part. of rocky horror picture show where they do all that and it's just always been a great time yeah. and so mm-hmm. to, to add that plus having the mystery science theater 3000s 
so it just sounds like so much fun yeah it's a it's a we're lucky we thought of it we're not doing we're trying to figure out a way to do it online Mm -hmm. we're working on a podcast and possibly some other ways to do it The, the hard part is figuring out how to stream it so it doesn't crash but we'll get there we'll do something soon that's great Mm-hmm. Oh, and I MakiHorror.com. MakiHorror.com. And Folding Chairs, Comedy Troupe, all one word, mm-hmm. on Facebook, Folding C on Twitter. And, and what about yourself, just for social media? I got a really interesting story coming out. Uh, well, probably will come out by the time this comes out for the Dallas Observer about a uh, no-mask rally that I quote-unquote attended. I had to be a little... I was able to get like kind of a behind the scenes look at it. It wasn't very well attended, (laughs) put it that way, but it was interesting just to like get into that mindset as much as I could of like, why are you doing this? Mm -hmm. But without, but I had to do it in a way where they kind of opened up to you. Didn't know. Yeah. 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 It's a little sneaky. I won't say more than that. Nothing illegal. I didn't hack anybody's account or anything. Um, But it's like, so you have to try it. You have to try to be fair and impartial. And so sometimes that requires you to have to. Yeah. But it's with the observer, so I can I can also be my smart ass self sometimes. Yes, <laughs> if it's like pain painfully obvious that this is like not the right thing or just weird or strange. Well, I look forward uh, to that article, and I thank you again. Yeah, thanks. And we'll talk again soon. So that was my interview with Danny Gallagher. Man, so much I could relate to. I mean, how many times have we? amplified the fear in our own minds just building it up to an extreme level how your mind can build that potential dread also how many times is trying to hide a fear from someone you're interested in just absolutely backfire it's amazing how much better fears can be handled if we just communicate it but it's so hard to communicate when you're not sure of how they're going to react Check out Danny's articles as well as the live online match game Mondays where sometimes yours truly is an occasional panelist. Also, make sure you check out the Maki Horror Picture Show. Danny's got a lot going on, guys. Check him out. And even in the midst of a pandemic, Danny has a lot on his schedule. It's hard to believe we are at episode 10 already. Oh, I have learned so much from so many people just getting to know them and the things they're afraid of. Hopefully you like what you hear and you stay tuned as we have so many more episodes still in the works. If you want to see my comedy, speaking of scary, you can see that in all through November. I'll be at the Addison Improv on November 5th, Dallas Hyenas November 12th, and then all weekend at Hyenas Fort Worth with Chris Porter from the 19th through the 21st. Then it's off to my mom for Thanksgiving before we even know it. You can check out my comedy and more at my website, ryanperio.com. Next week, my friend Corey Childs talks about his fear of roaches. So far, the only repeat fear I've had on Some of All Fears. We'll talk to him and his culinary ambitions next week. And now some credits and thank yous for the people that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater, who does my graphics and design for my comedy as well as my podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhite20. Get it, Whitewater. Also, a big thank you to Gunnar Olson for my music. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. You can also check out his website at gunnarolson.net. 
And you can check out his awesome EPs and some music he's got coming out. Real excited for him. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio on all social media. That's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. If you want to follow the show, I highly recommend it. Instagram and Twitter is at Some Fear Fans. Facebook group is Some of All Fears. If you want to, if you have questions for the show or feedback, email me at SomeFearFans at Gmail. If you want to be a guest on the show, also email me at SomeFearFans at Gmail.com. We can make that happen. Please keep leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to. I, appreciate, I just appreciate seeing that people like what I'm putting out. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a review. I appreciate all of you for listening. And next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening to The Sum of All Fears.